Some of our greatest writers have been some of our greatest drunks and alcoholics. And I don't know why, I don't know why, when it comes to literary giants and greats, that their alcoholism has been so romanticized. Is that what it has to be? Do you have to be a literary great in order for your, your, your alcohol consumption to have been romanticized? Uh, I don't know, but a lot of the greats were big drinkers and they had their favorites. Um, Ernest Hemingway had his mojito. Um, Fitzgerald enjoyed the gin Ricky and he liked gin because he thought if he drank gin, nobody could smell it on him. Wrong. <laughs> um, Oscar Wilde favored absinthe, which explains a lot. Um, when you get to the whiskey world a little bit, then it starts to get narrowed down a little. Uh, Hunter S. Thompson was a, a big fan of wild turkey. And as my producer, Greg Hansberry, reminded me, he would also like to go in the backyard and fire off a machine gun, <laughs> which we're not doing tonight because I don't have a machine gun. As I'm if, out. <laughs> as, if, as if that's the biggest problem Let me go out to the car. <laughs> in that story. Uh, Charles Bukowski probably kept it the most simple. His favorite thing was the Boilermaker. Shot of whiskey and a beer. That simple. William Faulkner. Now that guy, also a whiskey drinker. He enjoyed the mint julep. And he drank it with, uh, or, or made it, I should say, with the guest bottle that I'll introduce here in just a moment. There's some debate as to when Faulkner would drink. Some say he drank all the time. There's other stories that will tell you that when he was writing, he didn't drink at all. But when he was done writing for the day, that he would binge drink afterwards. And there's a great story uh, about him when he went to Hollywood because he's also responsible for some great screenplays. When Howard Hawks, the great director, hired him to uh, write Road to Glory, he showed up at the, uh, the meeting and had a brown paper bag. In that brown paper bag was a bottle of whiskey while he was opening up the whiskey, he cut his finger or thumb while unscrewing the top and was bleeding profusely. And everybody thought, okay, this meeting is done. No, Faulkner simply took a waste can and brought it over to him and continued to bleed into the waste can while drinking the whiskey. The meeting went on as scheduled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe you have to be a literary great in order to have your alcohol consumption romanticized. And for some writers, it got way past whiskey. Supposedly, Stephen King has no recollection of how he created The Shining because he was throwing a lot of cocaine up his nose throughout the entire process. You know, some of it is myth, some of it's mythology, some of it's based in truth. I don't know why it's always alcohol, though. I can tell you this much. I know, and you know, that alcohol uh, releases one's inhibitions. So maybe... Maybe, and I'm just speculating, this isn't an answer, this is just an opinion, maybe for the writer, that's why they drink, because maybe it releases the creative inhibitions as well. Maybe they're not so judgmental about what they're putting down on the page when the alcohol starts to work as a, as a muse. I don't know. You're thinking, why are we talking about writers and alcohol? Well, 
that remains to be seen, won't it? Because I will make it all make sense by introducing the guest bottle for this evening. Another bottom shelf bottle, Heaven Hill. Why Heaven Hill? Heaven Hill was the go-to for William Faulkner when he made his mint juleps. He also drank Jack Daniels, but Jack Daniels was for medicinal purposes. Yeah, he would make a hot toddy, which uh, John Whitney will tell you, I know how to make. I believe I made him a couple of hot toddies. Yes, you have. <laughs> With Jack Daniels when he wasn't feeling well. But uh, he always says that when he, when he would write, he would keep whiskey. He would write at night, and we'd keep whiskey on hand and never too far away. And that's the truth. But like I said, there's some myth and mythology as to when he would drink and how much he would drink when he would do it. So the guest bottle, Heaven Hill, it's a bottom shelf bottle. But you know what? It's one of those bottom shelf bottles that ain't bad for the price, people. $12.95, 13 bucks a bottle um, from Bardstown, Kentucky, from uh, Heaven Hill. Uh, it's been around since 1935, so it's got some legs and some history to it. And honestly, as far as bottom shelf whiskeys go, it's another one of those that ain't bad. It ain't bad. If you're looking for the, the cheap stuff that might get you through the night or through that novel or through that short story or through that screenplay, whatever the case might be. <laughs> uh, yeah, look through to the heavens. Look to the heavens and see what uh, might come of it. Before we get to our guest and tie this all together for you, hi, I'm Dino Tripodis. Welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Greg Hansberry, our audio producer, has a couple uh, business things to, to shout out before we get started. That's right. Subscribe uh, to Whiskey Business on your favorite podcasting app. And if you're on iTunes, uh, please rate and review us. Uh, that, that helps out a lot. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, of course... Uh, YouTube. We got John Whitney, our YouTube producer. YouTube. It's a whiskey business with Dino Tripodis. Correct. Subscribe and like us there. Uh, and we're on. Oh, Twitter. You got a new Twitter handle. Whiskey uh, Biz Show. Whiskey Biz B I Z Show. Yeah, Whiskey Biz and, Show uh, B I Z. That's all I got. That's enough. I'm done. That's enough. Our guest Thank bottle you. is Heaven Hill. Our guest. I love. And, and I was texting him earlier today. I love the, the whenever there's a little chance for a little serendipity, whenever we can connect the dots a little bit on whiskey business, we try to. I picked Heaven Hill because it was William Faulkner's go-to. Our guest tonight is William. He likes to be called Bill amongst his friends. William Farmer. William Faulkner. William Farmer. William Faulkner wrote great, great screenplays, The Big Sleep, To Have and Have Not. Uh, I see what you're doing. Yeah. Road to Glory. <laughs> William Farmer, Bill Farmer, also is a screenwriter extraordinaire. And he joins us tonight. Welcome, sir. And I, I, hope, you, I hope you can appreciate the connections that yes, I've tried to make I, here. A bottom shelf whiskey for a bottom shelf guest. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I would not say a bottom shelf guest. Do you, do you drink when you write? Um, I drink and... Among other things, yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, is that not not well? Not actually during the writing process. So you don't drink during the writing. It's more process. like writing the night before, if you know what I mean. And then you're writing in my brain what I'm going to put down on the keyboard the next day. Aren't you afraid you're going to lose it if you don't put it down immediately? Or, no, it, or, or no, put it pretty, something down. It pretty much sticks there. And, I mean, that, and that's when you're when you're drinking is when you get the ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because once again, to bring up another famous writer, Ernest Hemingway, yeah. write drunk. Edit sober, yeah. is what he used to say. I'm kind of the opposite. Well, I, 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 I think of fantastic things when I'm altered in some way. And the next morning, 
if they still sound good as I remember them, I'm like, yeah, that's it. You know, that's the way to go with yeah, it. Yeah, that's the way I do it. Yeah. But you don't drink when you're writing. No, I don't Why? usually. I'm, uh, Is it distracting for you? It, yeah, it's it's more it's almost a discipline thing. If if I'm sitting there writing and I'm a little drunk, I'll just like, eh, I'm gonna see what's on the uh, the Late Show or you know, I get it. It, it pulls me away. It's like my brain has to be totally focused on the writing when I'm actually physically putting the words down. But it's all a process. It's all writing. So what's going through my brain the night before when I've maybe had a few of these mm -hmm. is like, uh, oh, that's great stuff. That's great stuff. And it's like a little bit of freedom to probably come up with ideas that you wouldn't have come up with otherwise. But they stay with me and I remember them the next day. So now, that's see, kind I of the would, way I, I do be, it. I it's a two-stage process. lose them. And I'm, unfortunately, maybe once again, because I find it to be so romanticized yeah. through the years and the generations, I, I do drink when I write. Yeah. And, and, and not a lot. No, no. But, yeah, it, you yeah. know, it's, and I also smoke a lot when yeah. I drink. But once again, I light these and they burn in the ashtray. So I probably get one or two drags. Yeah, but yeah. but it, it seems like it's, it's, it's part of the process. Is it really part of the process? Or do I secretly want it to be? part of the process because once again I've romanticized well, what these famous yeah. writers did over the years. It's part of all, your process. And all the great so, works that they put out yeah. in the process. Whatever works for you is part of your know. process. You are in that rare air, my friend, where you are a successful screenwriter. You make a living. Oh, Semi-successful. No, no. You, you, <laughs> you have made a living. You've been a screenwriter for how long? Oh, about 20 years. And that's been years. your job. Yeah, yeah. That's been it. Yeah. Yep. Sitting down, other than a few side things when money gets low. Sure, but yeah, 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 but yeah. for the most part, and you know, you yeah. have mm -hmm. made your living being a, a, a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. Was that by choice? Was that the job that you wanted to do? Is that is that what you always imagined you would do? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, when I was a little kid, it was always I was it, it was always something about writing. You know, I can remember a time when. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers those things. I can't remember what they were called, like crash cars or something. They were an old toy, like in the seventies, where you wound up. You put this car together, you wound it up. Yeah. You let it go, and it, when it hit a wall, it exploded into like ten parts, and you put it yeah, back the together. Doors again. would come off. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Pop them back in. Yeah. They had a contest at school when I was a little kid. It's like write this, write an essay, and win a crash car. You know, and it was like it wasn't like oh gee, I hope I can win that car. It was like oh, I guess I'll win that car. You know, I will win that car. <laughs> and, I, and I won that car. You know, I How, can't even, what grade was this? Oh, like second grade or something. Second I grade. Remember, I can't remember what it was. But and I you mean, were able to put the words together. Yeah. And I don't even remember what it was. Enough to impress a teacher to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won the. I won something. the crash car. You won the crash. Yeah, car. I won the crash car. So, so that was. I was going to ask you, what's what? the first thing that you wrote that had merit? Would you yeah. consider that first essay to be? Uh, it? Probably, but I don't even remember what it was. I remember it was science fictiony <laughs> in some way. But I, I could not for the life of me tell you what it was. And crash is that cars from outer space. <laughs> crash cars from outer space. <laughs> now, and is that the genre you prefer to write in? Um, not really, but it seems to be the one that I've had the most, uh, like, like the warmest reception with. You know, it's like I'll write various things that just come to mind. And, you know, some of them get somewhere, some of them don't. But it seems like the ideas that get the most traction with other people are the science fiction-y fantasy ideas. So I'm, I'm not sure it's my favorite thing, but it seems to be the thing I'm better at. So yeah. do you find yourself forcing or making yourself to write in that particular genre since you've had the more success in it? And if, and, um, if the, and if you were being completely honest with yourself and you were sitting down to write a screenplay just for Bill Farmer, mm -hmm. 
would it be science fiction or would it be something else? Uh, it probably wouldn't be science fiction. And I've written a lot of screenplays that are just for William Farmer and they're, they're still I know <laughs> in my computer or in a drawer somewhere. So they, I know yeah. for a fact, and I don't, I don't mean to, to rain on parades, but uh, John Whitney, who I, I work with on, on certain uh, film projects, we were supposed to, and I still want to oh, yeah. make that script. Yep. I still want to make that script. Yep. That was a, that started off as a short film, and uh, who's going to say the title? Uh, well, the original title was, was Saul for X. Saul for X, and the new title is Star in the Snowman. Star in the Snowman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Eh, you know, it could go back yeah. to Saul for X. And I always wanted to call it Steubenville. Steubenville. I, I always wanted to like set it, you know, like name the town. Yeah, you know, like uh, forget it, Jake. It's and talk China about town. serendipity. You know, like, I mean, I grew up in Steubenville. Yeah, yeah. I grew up yeah. in Steubenville, and then and then like, okay, this 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 takes place in Steubenville. And then I remember reading that script and said, oh god, I, I can't wait till we make this movie. And we were very close to starting that process. That's yeah. another story yeah. entirely. But we got uh, sorely disappointed when financially mm-hmm. things backed out. My next question for you, um, the disappointment in this job mm. of screenwriting. Yeah. I mean, you write something and someone takes an interest in it and you think it's a go yeah. and you're going to move forward and then it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with that? Um, you just get used to it because, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's hard. I mean, it's like in the early days of my writing, it was like, oh, my God. I got, like, for example, my first... You know, quote unquote Hollywood job was Jonah Hex, right? Which, was, which, if you've ever seen that movie, don't. Which is kind of doesn't make much logical sense. No, no, I'm going to because that was that was one of my topics <laughs> but, tonight. Was the, was that was that whole process? But, but it's like ahead. it's like when that first started, it was like, oh my god, I've got this job. I'm writing, you know, a big DC comic for Warner Brothers. And this is before we should tell people this is before the the comic universe. Yeah, it was, movies, it was just was, getting started. They were just, just starting yeah. to smell money off yeah. comic books. It wasn't, at that point. It wasn't yeah. like yeah. it is right now with yeah. the Justice League and all in the Marvel franchise. Right. This and was Brie early. This, this this is this is early on yeah. in the process. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I got a Hollywood job. And uh it wound up there's there's a long story. I mean take I, take your time. Well, I mean I could I could name names. I don't know if I should name names, but there's a there's a whole uh soap opera of why the original Jonah Hex that I wrote and that I worked on with the producers didn't get made. And the project wound up getting shelved for years, and I thought, well, that's it, it's gone. You know? And then years later, it was revived, and they brought in new screenwriters who were the guys that did Crank and stuff like that with Jason Statham. And um, I still thought, well, well good luck. You know, I have nothing to do with it. And then it turned out at, at the 11th hour that they used enough of my story, of my take on it, that was unique to me and not the comics, Right. that it was like, oh, we got to put Farmer's name back on it. So I get top story credit, even though it's no longer really my script. Is that frustrating? Yeah. It's, it, I mean, it felt I mean, good. It's, it's, like, like hey, a, it's like a mixed blessing. Yeah, I got my name on a movie, but get, it's not you, really mine anymore. And you're, and you're getting paid. <laughs> you, know, you got yeah. a shot of cash. Yeah, you yeah, I got, yeah, I got some good cash. Got I got paid. Cash, <laughs> Again, paid. when I had gotten paid years ago for the first part. Did you, know? did you, did you feel a little, um, for lack of a better word, whorish? Uh, probably more when I was working on the thing than I did at that point. At that point, I was just glad to get some recognition mm-hmm. for working on it because it had been a few years. So you point. rationalize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the one I felt horish on was 
a thing called Sandman, which was based on a Neil Gaiman another comic. huge yeah. another huge comic, yeah, yeah, which I was hired by Warner Brothers to write a draft of, and uh, that was right after Jonah Hex. I mean, like just as I was writing Jonah Hex, as I was finishing the last draft of that, I was writing the first draft of Sandman. So it was like, oh, I'm you know, it's like hey, I'm a hot property, you know, I'm writing mm-hmm. two scripts at once, right, for, and. Uh, I made the mistake of taking the advice of every executive that was, you know, above me in the process of like, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? Stardy's a spider. We exactly. A giant spider. Exactly. Well, the thing, the thing was, this, this was, this was like, to show you how long ago this was, this was like right before 2000. So it was like the millennium. Mm. It's got to be based on the millennium. Something's got to happen so when the clock to... strikes on, you know, January 31st, 1999. Yeah. And uh, so the millennium was written into the thing. And it was just a big mess. And uh, Did yeah, Neil Gaiman have anything to do with this process? He had. I wanted to meet him. And the exact words, and there, there's a book floating around somewhere that with a story of this. It's called uh, Tales from Development Hell by a guy named David Hughes. Um, and as I said in that book... I wanted to meet with Neil Gaiman, and the exact words of the studio execs were, ah, we don't need to get him involved. We don't need to get, we don't him, need to get involved. him involved. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> we don't need to get the guy who the wrote American it. Gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah We exactly. don't need the, need the guy who's... Right. who's, who's <laughs> in, in that genre of literature is just amazingly yeah. huge. Yeah, exactly. And, it's like, yeah, we don't and, need to get him involved. brilliant, yeah. but no, uh, we, don't, we don't actually need the guy that created it. Right, uh, right. That, that, That'd be stupid. Fuck yeah. he knows. Exactly. And, 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 and what about him? I mean, how does he... Did he just release it? Um, well, he, he... I guess he released the rights. To it? I mean, yeah, he plays into the whole debacle as well because um, there, there was a version of the script that turned out not even to be mine, ironically, that was leaked on Ain't It Cool News. I don't even know if those guys are around anymore. You know, Harry Knowles. Uh, and they, were, Ain't it they were pretty. Cool. They, were, they were. They were. Big in they the, were big in, in the day. In the, in yeah. the birth of yeah, uh, the may, internet. Yeah, yeah. I think they may be gone now. But they had an uh, Angel Fire website. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Ain't It Cool News? Not so cool anymore. Exactly. Yeah, but no. At the uh, time, they were the go-to. Yeah, they. Yeah, they, tra- they read. They got a hold of, of some version of the script that I don't think was mine. They trashed it. Uh, Neil Gaiman read that script and he trashed it. He said horrible things about me in print and all about this you, stuff. about me personally. Yeah. Wow. And then and it uh, wasn't your copy. It wasn't your version. It, it, I, from what I read on Ain't It wow. Cool, it wasn't even my copy. So, but, but my uh, but, but your be, name was on it. But to be honest, my copy sucked too because it was like stu- you know I made the mistake of letting it be studio driven right. rather than but, what I wanted to do. But I, I, you being know. a, a, a Let's call it a, a neophyte in yeah, the yeah, business yeah. at that point. I mean, and you've got these high-powered yeah. executives saying, "We want you to do this." You, you kind of like, okay, yeah, because yeah, exactly, I want, yeah, I, I, exactly, want the, yeah. I want the gig, I yeah, want to exactly, work. All exactly. Right. Um, it's it's going against my better judgment. It's going against what I feel, but I I want this job, so I'm yeah. going to do what I have to do. Yeah. How many of us have been in that situation where we've gone against the right, grain? Right. And reluctantly, done something that we we didn't want to do because of the bigger picture down the line. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if you could go back, oh, if I could go back, it's it's like you know, and I give this advice to anyone that asks for advice. It's like if you're hired to do something, presumably you're hired because they think they that you can do it better than they can, or they wouldn't hire you. Right. So stick to your guns. <laughs> 
hold your ground. You know, just if, if they come up with something stupid, just say, no, I think that's stupid. And, <laughs> and just don't do it. You, you know what I mean? It, that would be my advice, and that's what I learned from that uh, exercise. And, and, and <laughs> to put a little button on the thing, I don't know if he got a hold of me through my agent, or I can't remember how it happened, but I remember at one point getting an email from Neil Gaiman more recently, like a few years back, just saying, you know, I'm sorry I said all the bad things about you. Oh, I, re nice. I read the next draft that the next person they hired wrote, and my God, it was worse than yours. <laughs> 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 and he's like, I see that it was like, you know, just that's the way the studio wanted to go. That's so, not necessarily the way you wanted to go. In the current yeah. landscape yeah. Of, of these types of films where they're constantly rebooting and, and, and giving it another shot, yeah. has there been any talk about bringing back and doing Jonah Hex properly or bringing back you know, Sandman yeah. and doing it properly, taking another shot at it and improving upon an inferior product? Because yeah. from what I heard through the, through the rumor mill, if yeah, you yeah. will, is that your original take on Jonah Hex, what you wrote was far superior than the, than the, than the stuff that was, made it to the big screen. Well, if I may say so myself, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. It was so much better. Right? Yeah. yeah. So would you, yeah. would you go back and try to right those wrongs? Oh, I would if, I, if given the chance. But the, the problem with Hollywood is they tend to like... Um, it, it's like the same reason that Hillary's not going to run for president again. Right. It's like you lose, you lose once, they don't go back. Been there, done that. They're going to get somebody new. You know, they're not going to go back and have everybody go, oh, that's a guy that wrote that version that nobody liked way back when. You know, they're they're going to always move ahead. But sometimes the version that nobody liked was the good one. Is yeah. the good one. Yeah, that so, was the good one. Yeah. So if there was somebody with, with half a brain and it's like, guys, this, this was the... Yeah. This was the gold right here to begin with. Yeah, we 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 walked right past it. Yeah, and then you you would go back. So, but you're saying that's not the way it works. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would definitely I don't go know back. How if, it works? I would definitely Hollywood. go back if given the chance. I don't think on a project that failed that miserably as I think that film did. I don't think there would be any any uh, invitation to go back. I think if if they ever tried to do it again, which I'm not sure they ever will, but if they tried to do it again, uh, I think they would just they, they would just pick up fresh young crew and do it again. You know? Yeah. Don't say they won't go back because, well, especially Sandman. I mean that that's yeah. still well, they're it, still talking about trying to go back to that. That's been it, eight, I know, you know twenty it, years, nineteen years now. And they and they keep yeah. not going back because they just haven't stumbled across the. Yeah, I don't think anybody can get a good handle on it. It's so esoteric. You know, you know, and that's not that's not meant as a diss. It's just yeah. like it's so. And that's in the DC world. It's so much like the Silver Surfer. Yeah. They don't know what to do with the Silver Surfer in in, yeah. in the, in the yeah. Marvel world without yeah. fucking it up. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like they tried to make Sandman, which was very ethereal and hard to nail down. They tried to make it into Batman, mm -hmm. and that was the version I wrote where they basically, you know, he was a superhero, which he was never intended to be. Right. And uh, and actually, the studio, of course, oddly enough, the way the studios are, they loved it. I mean, this thing was like in the pipe to get greenlit until the bad press hit of like, oh, man, what the hell? And Neil Gaiman was going, oh, man, this sucks. And then they just kind of like sculpted and, away and, from and it. when the bad press hits, does, where, where does the bad press come from? Does it come from, does it come from the, you know, the, the true fans that, that somehow have gotten a hold of, of what it is and, and start to, to spread well, that word yeah. amongst the, the Sandman community? Yeah. Well, a lot of this came from the true fans, but they hadn't, they hadn't read it all. They had just, they were just responding to what they had heard. You know, you know, like some some news blurb from Harry Knowles or something says, "Oh, this 
oh, Farmer did this with Sandman, and they're like, what? That sucks. You know, and it just it just grows as as like a general angry villagers thing. And how does when, that when, make you feel? I mean, how, uh, what's, what's it, that do to your what's that do to your confidence as a as as a writer? That just it, it well, it, you know, it pisses you off a little bit. It makes you it, it does it didn't hurt my confidence because I knew. It's it's like actually when I was having a conversation with Neil Gaiman through emails about it, this is what I said to him. It's like I was hired to to write or to paint this god awful ugly purple house. You can say that the house is ugly, but by God, I did a great job right. on that purple house. Right. You know, and that's kind of the way I feel about Sandman. I did a great job at making Sandman the superhero movie they wanted it to be. Now that sucked. That wasn't what it was supposed to be, and I can understand why everybody hated it, but. You know, don't say I'm a lousy writer because I painted this purple house. So your skin, <laughs> you know? yeah, has has gotten thicker through the years. Where you are uh, oblivious, or yeah, I, I think a little or, bit. Yeah, or, I mean, I've worked on a couple of harsh criticism. I've worked on a couple. Yeah, I've worked on a couple of projects since then where. Uh, you know, where I'll get the oh, this doesn't make sense, and instead of going, yeah, you're right, let's do something else. I'll I'll, I'll explain why it makes sense. And either you get it, or if you don't, then, oh, well, maybe this isn't the project we need to work on together. If you were talking to a, a screenwriter who was wanting to get into the business right now, and he had to take one of two paths, you know, feature films or television, which way would you tell him to go? Um, right now, I would say television. And why? Um, well, because I had my, I've had my... Greatest success, even though the thing isn't made, it was never produced. I've had my greatest um, success sort of feather in my cap that made me feel good through television. And what was that? Uh, it was a show that I created called Strangers a couple years ago, a few years ago, three years ago, whatever, um, that sold to USA Network. Sold. Sold. Mm -hmm. Just flat out sold. Did not get produced. It's still you know, in their pocket. Um, in, in technically, turnaround right now. What's, it's in turnaround. Yeah. yeah, there's there's another show. If, Ex, if, before you go yeah, in, yeah. explain turnaround. Um, it's like where when you sell a show or sell a property, there's some clause in the contract that says, you know, it, it recognizes the fact that they can't hold on to it forever. You know, it says like, okay, we have two years to make this show, and if we don't, you're free to sell it to somebody else. Or they can buy or, the or, rights. Or they again. could they could buy the rights back if they wanted to. Yeah. So when you say this has been the most successful project, this is one that financially it, and, it, and just the personal pride of like I created something out of nothing and it sold. And it sold, and they're still hanging on to it. Yeah. So yeah. you still get paid. Yeah. Well, not at this point, but I mean, it, it's at this point, it's probably reverted back to the original producers who are the umbrella company. It's a long story. But uh, well, like I said, we got I, time. I don't I don't own it anymore. Put <laughs> it that way. It I don't own it. But anymore. if it were to be produced and made and made into a series, you'd be back. I'm in. attached to it. Yeah, you're I'm attached, I'm attached to, it. to the thing. And would you write for it? Yeah, yeah. You, you would continue yeah. to write for it. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Would you be showrunner or just well, the uh, first? I don't know about showrunner, but I'm, I, you know, I'm executive producer of it, yeah. and I definitely have a say in where it would go. And the title would have to change because I understand there's another show now. I'm not sure what network it's on, but it's a completely different show that happens to be called Strangers. Oh. On some other network. And what was the premise of Strangers? Um, the premise of Strangers was it was a science fiction show. and No, is, is a science, a science fiction is show. Is a science fiction show. <laughs> With Good. crash cars. Good. With crash cars, yeah. This is like one of the best pitches ever. Just give us the um, elevator on this. It's just, it's just so mind-numbingly simple that when I told it to all the executives and everybody, they just kind of like hit themselves in the head like, you know, the, wow, I could have had a V8 thing. It's like, wow, 
why isn't anybody doing this? Um, there's a cataclysmic event in which every soul on earth is just randomly ripped out and deposited in the wrong body. That's it. But think of the ramifications. Oh my gosh, so... Suddenly Dino Tripodis is a little old lady in Afghanistan. You don't know where your loved ones are. They're somebody else. You don't know anything how to get to anybody. The world is falling apart because I'm the infrastructure is gone. I'm in this body, but I have no, the no, soul. No, no, no. No, you're, you're, you're gone. I'm gone. You're in a little, you, you know, you're yourself, but you're inside the body of a little old lady in Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. The bodies okay. stay where the they body are. The body stays where they are, but the... Everybody else is gone. Consciousness is Yeah, moved. consciousness has moved. So, and, and the, the main, like, personal thread that kept the series going is it's about a mother trying to find her son. A mother who is now a guy because she's in the body of a guy in another country and her son is now god knows where. so the actor would be a guy but the but the playing a woman the playing a woman yeah yeah and the same Co- thing comedy could apply. or dr- no, drama, no, 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 drama. drama. what had comedy elements i mean it, sure. there, there was actually humor in it but it was it was uh sure. more of just this gut-wrenching where you know where's my son he could be anywhere on earth and, and look like anybody on earth and her son could be embodied by somebody else as well yeah, yeah, her son's body. In fact, she calls before the, the infrastructure falls apart. She calls his cell phone and she gets a kid that sounds like him because it's his body, but he's speaking Swahili, you know, because it's not him. You okay, know? And, so they're smacking their heads, they're doing the V8 thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is a no brainer. Yeah. This is like, and, but it's not out. But it's, it's not, not out. It's not being made. It's what, not out. Because, well, because. I mean, because of one person. <laughs> oh, I hate that exactly. one person. No, it's like, There's always one person. Yeah, yeah. One um, person gubbing up the works. Basically, we had every executive at USA behind it. Except one. We had the president of USA behind it. Okay. And the person he has to deal with, who is sort of the liaison between NBC, which is where the money is, and USA, was the, the one person who said, I don't get it. And it killed it. And I mean, it was just such crushing disappointment because we had literally, and I'm not exaggerating, probably by the time the producers company and USA all got together and this thing was rolling, we probably had 15 high level people on what they called Team Strangers. And the director, you guys had the director. And the director, yeah, we had had Johan Rink, who was one of the uh, most sought after directors around. I mean, look him up R E N C K, Johan Rink. Um, Vikings and, or what? Yeah, yeah, oh, he's done just tons of stuff, and it's just like it was, he's on board. Yeah, he's ready he's, to he's go. on board. He's like, this is the most exciting thing I've ever read. I want to do this. Wow, you know, and it's like, <sighs> tell tell him about the character, the the uh, serial killer character, <laughs> please, please yeah. tell him about the serial killer character. Uh, there was a there was a one, one of the <laughs> one of the uh, permutations of this thing that was going to become a plot thread is there was a serial killer, a really nasty, vicious, you know, BTK kind of killer, right? Who was now in the body of like a, a just a sweet looking twelve year old girl? Oh my god! Oh, and, come and, on! And come on! And he didn't how, get it. And, <laughs> that's its own spinoff and, right I there. I, I got to be honest with you. If, if you're going like when you mentioned uh, Sandman and, and the Millennium, yeah. Um, uh, serial killers right now, yeah. right now are are kind of like the uh, uh, movie du jour or the or the or the plot line du jour. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. they're they're. It's a very popular genre right now to capitalize on. So I can't imagine that somebody who said, we've got the, uh, the, the soul of a serial killer in a 12-year-old girl. I mean, done. <laughs> Make that. Yeah, Who yeah. wouldn't watch that? I know, and be I know. completely intrigued and, and, 
and also just beside themselves with 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 the potential horror that that could actually oh my God. entail. Yeah, yeah. So incredible. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, because that because that was that was the way the series was going to go. It's like basically the overall arc is the the mother looking for her son. Oh my God! But but week by week, episode by episode, it would be like dealing with these just weird permutations of just like what people have become now and also trying to get the society back together, you know, trying to get the trains running. Right. Trying to get the sure. planes flying. Trying to get people back to where they're supposed to be because when this happens, boom, you know, the planes fall out of the sky. Guys behind the, guys at the stick don't know where they're, how to fly a plane, you know. Would you consider that to be one of the, the single most greatest ideas you've ever had? Yeah, that, well, it was one of those ideas, yeah, when, when sometimes you have an idea and you think, yeah, that has a shot. When I had this idea, I thought, this is money in the bank. I don't yeah. even have to, you know what I mean? It's, this is like one of those magic ideas where, I mean, nothing writes itself. There's a lot of hard work. But you know what I mean? You have that idea that you go, this, this, one this just, fucking writes this itself. This one just pours out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do this. This writes itself. And it, it, it sold. It, so it, it got everybody on board. I mean, everybody that read this was like, I'm on board. I'm on board. So I'm now board. what? So then they can, at some point, it's up for grabs again. It's up for grabs again. So anybody that's listening... It's up for grabs. Netflix. But the, but the, but the thing of it is... Netflix buys everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it was with Netflix. It's, they were the first people we took it to, and they turned it down. Because they had Sense8 okay. at the time. You remember right. Sense8 right. with yeah. some Sci-fi. people yeah. like switching yeah. consciousnesses yeah. Yeah. or something? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. but I think Sense8 is gone. It is gone. Netflix. It's it gone. It is gone. It's gone. <laughs> you need another it's one. Gone. It's yeah. gone. They need to put something else in there. Yeah. But I mean, especially... I mean, the thing of it is, it's got to change the title, right? It can't be All Strangers right. anymore. Okay. Perfect so, Strangers. The, the, no, no, the, the perfect. That's been, that's been <laughs> done. There'll the, be no bulky in this one. <laughs> the perfect title is now for these times. When you think about what, what's going on in in our actual times and what's going on in the script, borderless, because you know uh, you don't have you, you don't have Mexicans at the border right, in this script. Right. You have Mexicans right next to you. Maybe right. you don't know. You don't know who anybody is. You know, there's none of that crap applies anymore so in your in so, your in your gut and, yeah. and, and you know and i'm sure you've had to rely on your 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 gut and your instincts over the course of your career mm-hmm. do you still feel that this still has a shot that it's going to show up somewhere that it's still I, it's I, st- it's still your money in the bank i do i don't pay off? yeah i don't think about it every day I but would ev- think about but ev- it every but day. But every once in a while, it, pop- <laughs> it pops into my head, and I think... I would think, I think about it every is- day. Because here's the, it's, it's, there's two things, A and B. A, somebody's got to have this idea that it would be a great show. B, they can't do it because mine's already been seen by everybody in town. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah, someday I think this is going to hit the tracks. But I, I, I'll, we'll see. Yeah. But and I mean, then and and then I mean, but and then you can't just you can't just sit back and wait. You have to continue to produce. No, you yeah. have to continue to no, write. Yeah. yeah, and I've been working on other things. I've worked on a few projects that haven't quite taken off. You know, things I'm working with because well, one of the producers, uh, well, actually, the first person to really champion Strangers was a producer named Christina Wayne. And if you look her up, she's got Buku credits. Um, she's done some great stuff. You know, she said it was one of the greatest things she'd ever been involved with. Um, and I bounce ideas off her. I send her stuff every once in a while. And we're, we're, we're you know, we've, we've tried to get something off the ground that hasn't worked. But, uh, no, I'm still at it. Working on something right now. Does it make you feel uh, a little more confident, the fact, when we speak about television, that there now are so many platforms available in order to get something out there? And is that also... 
just as frustrating yeah. to think that there's so many platforms out there. Why isn't one of the things that yeah. I've written that's fucking awesome <laughs> yeah. not out there when I see so much shit that's occupying the space that is out there? Yeah, yeah. Believe me, it's frustrating. Yeah, and I've heard that uh, same thing from from all the various executives and producers that worked on Strangers. It's so, like so the why most is, frustrating thing in their careers that Strangers? And why is the, the shit getting out there? And in and in, 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 in your case, some of the quality not. I don't know. It's a mystery. It's a question. Yeah, I mean, it's frustrating. It, it was I, a rhetorical question. I think I the uh, I think the <laughs> the proliferation of television now. There's so many venues, but at the same time, it, it makes everybody want to jump on it. And uh, speaking of Christina Wayne, I was reading a little interview with her the other day where she said, you know, she goes to pitch a show, and there's George Clooney and Guillermo del Toro there to pitch shows. They're pitching you know, shows. Yeah, as it's, well. it's it's like it's so it's it's the prize now. And it's like, yeah, there's so many shows, there's so many slots on Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and everything, but but everybody wants them. And, and everybody wants yeah. a piece of it. And I saw where, where, where Clooney and his people, uh, you know, they, they got the green light to do a, a little miniseries on Catch-22. And when I first read that, I went, oh, that's kind of cool. That can be a, a, a limited series because yeah. there was so yeah. much in the Joseph Heller book that, that could be expanded upon. And I go, that's kind of a great idea. But once again... They're mining stuff that's already existed and 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 trying to either improve upon it or or, or put a new twist on it, whatever the case might yeah, yeah. be. But as far as original stuff, yeah, there's not a whole lot of originality out there anymore. No, there's not. There's not. Does that make you crazy? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just watched uh, my fiance and I just watched uh, a thing on. I think it was Amazon called the ABC Murders. It was a Hercule Poirot thing starring yeah. uh, John Malkovich. And I, I'm like, I, that, I'm like, that's okay, but why, why is this on? Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. I mean, they, and, they and, don't have and, anything I, better to make a show out of And I saw than, that, and, and, not my, Hercule not, and, not, and not my favorite, uh, yeah. not my favorite uh, yeah. performance of that particular I'm no. a big mystery fan. No. But, you know, and I love Malkovich. Yeah. But, you know, like, eh, that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. the smartest move. But, um, yeah, that's got to be just... Just, just maddening. So, how do you deal with the frustration? Um, I just, I just, I just kind of go back to the idea that, like, you know, I wrote. You know, it's it's like to blow my own horn a little bit. Blow the it. First, the first TV series I ever tried to create sold to USA. So I must have something going on. So I just, I just kind of try to take the failure, or not failure, but the setback as like, okay. You know, that's one guy. I can do it again. You know, and I've been trying to do it again. Haven't haven't nailed it yet, but I'll do it again. Uh, have you had that same feeling about anything since Strangers or Borderless uh, that you feel very confident and excited about? I feel pretty confident and excited about a lot of ideas. Not quite like that, where you just as because soon as it hits you in the head, you think that's money in the bank. Yeah, and you know? that one just yeah. you know that one just those, those are one, like once one in a hundred ideas, but I'll have ninety nine more, so I'll hit it. But a, a podcast host by day, a <laughs> PI by night. We've got it. No, that 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 no, is me. That's a thing. That's <laughs> yeah, a thing. yeah, that would that, that would be real. That's uh, yeah. and anything real is not going to sell. Hey, <laughs> hey tell them. And there's dragons. <laughs> and there's dragons. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh man, I want to go back a little bit to 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 the beginning. Um, 
what was the very first very first screenwriting project you, you worked on that yeah, that actually um, was all Bill Farmer? Um, well, I wrote this project way back when, like in the 90s, uh, before moving to L.A., before any of this. Uh, it was a thing called Kivera that I entered into a competition. I don't know if uh, your listeners are familiar with the uh, Nichols Fellowship. Yes. It's a screenwriting. Well, I don't know if they're familiar with it, but, but I am, yes. It's a screenwriting uh, competition. It became a finalist, and then it became a semi-finalist, and it didn't win the competition, but it, it got me an agent, and it got me my first Hollywood job, which was the Jonah Hex job, because somebody read Kivera and said, it's, oh, it's a supernatural Western. This guy can write Jonah, Jonah Hex. Hex. And uh, uh, that, this producer contacted me. We talked about it a little bit over the phone. He liked what I had to say about Jonah Hex, flew me out there from Columbus. I still live in Columbus. We pitched the project to the executives of Warner Brothers. I flew back and then got the call. You got it. You got Jonah Hex. You're, you're the guy. You're going to do it. How much, how much time do you spend out in Los Angeles in order to kind of move things along? Do you only go out there when necessary? Um, at this you... point, yeah. I mean, I lived out there for a number of years after Jonah Hex. Jonah Hex brought me out there. And, uh, and the interesting thing, when you speak of... Uh, the first project, that Kivera script, that script probably paid my rent for like six years. Wow. Because it kept, it was one of those weird projects where everybody that read it was drawn in and fascinated by it. They're like, oh man, there's something here. But they all wanted to change it. And they all, <laughs> they all were in a position to pay me to change it. <laughs> so I was like, okay, uh, I'll change it. I'll change it. And, I'll fix it. And this, I want to just keep living here. This thing, I mean, this script, literally, I'm not exaggerating, it kept me going for like six years. We had um, Angelina <laughs> Jolie was going to be the star. Um, what was the basic premise, if you don't mind me asking? It was a, well, it, that changed over the years too, but it was basically a like a fantasy fairy tale of like this uh, woman on horseback that was a bounty hunter, again, which got me the Jonah Hex job because he's a bounty hunter. Right. And uh, she was looking for this psycho that was killing people all through the territory, but it turned out that the psycho was under the influence of a powerful person who was having him kill people for a reason. Okay. So it's a little more complicated than that, but we'll leave it at that. And uh, at one point... It was a female lead, and a lot of women were interested in it. Uh, Angelina Jolie was going to do it. Lucy Liu was going to do it. Uh, Mila Jovovich was going to do it. And what year is this? Late nineties. Because right now, yeah, with with the with the woman. Yeah, any of them could do it. Now they don't imagine, want to do it. They would just <laughs> jump at that yeah, now yeah. in order to have a strong female um, doing it. Oh. Uh, right after uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, right. Zhang Ziyi was. Huge. She was going to do it. Cool. Yeah, everybody was going to do it. I mean, there's there's a few more I can't even remember, um, but it never got done because everybody just changed it into some direction that somebody didn't like it, and it went back and forth. Then at one point, after all that was done, um, George Romero, Night of the Living Dead, George Romero. God rest his soul. Yep. Got a hold of it. He wanted to do it. So I was uh, having meetings with George Romero. Did he want to put some zombies in it, man? <laughs> yeah, he wanted, he wanted to make it more supernatural yeah. than it already was, yeah. So he, he wanted to do it. He took, took it and wrote uh, a version of it 
we had an understanding. He would take my script, write it to make it his, then I would take it back and put a polish on it so it didn't shine, bastardize it too much. Shine you know it up I mean? a little. Yeah, make it, make it more of what I originally envisioned. And we did that um, over, I mean... So you had, a, you had a working relationship with George Romero. Yeah, for a while. And, and bless his, you know, we're talking about whiskey tonight. Bless his heart. The man drank tumblers. Not, not glasses like this, tumblers <laughs> of whiskey. I knew I respected but, him for an unknown yeah, reason. Yeah. And That's it. But, uh, <laughs> so we, we finally wound up with a version of it that we both liked, and he couldn't get arrested at that point. It was just the point, you know, it was like, it was like the, the Living Dead films at that point had died out. They hadn't started making the more modern sequels. Right, right. Um, it was, and he finally got a job. He was able to do the film uh, Bruiser. Remember Bruiser? Mm-hmm. So this is right around the time period we're talking about. It's like I was working with him right before he did Bruiser. Um, and so, I mean, th- but I mean, we're, ta- we're talking about the same script that had all these weird women attached and then George Romero's attached. And, and during George Romero's part of it, um, he, and this is part of what I think killed it, he wanted, there, there was a, the main female lead and then there was a guy who was just known as the gentleman. Nobody had names in it. It was a very like surreal script where nobody had a name. The gentleman was going to be Ed Harris. Ed Harris was attached. I mean, firmly attached. He's like, George is in, I'm in. So yeah. we thought, great. But then Ed Harris's condition was that Amy Madigan, his wife, be the female lead. Uh-huh. And that killed it. And that killed it. Every, I mean, I love Amy Madigan. She's great. But that killed it at every juncture. But it's and, like, and I, you know, just yeah. hearing... I love Amy Madigan as well, yeah. but just hearing you describe what that movie was about—that's not—that's not one of the top names that pops up as 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 far as being right. Yeah, the person in that role. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that was that was Ed's uh, condition. Ed so. Harris in Westworld right now kind of reminds exactly, me of that, exactly. Of that I see, role. I know. Yeah. I so the first time I saw that, I was like, "That's him." Yeah, oh, he looks just like that's him. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, I can yeah, envision yeah, it. It pissed yeah. me off. It's like that's him. Like, so this one's for you, Bill. So yeah, exactly. do, do, do you uh, roll camera in, in the back of your mind? Do you, do you sometimes think that that's a project that might resurface again um, and, and, and do something? I, well, you know what I think about that one. When I do originally you, wrote that one, I didn't write it to enter it into the competition. I wrote it with the intention that a friend of mine and I. We're going to go down to Athens, Ohio, get a couple of horses, and film the thing. And shoot it. Was this yeah. Mark? Mark. Yeah, Mark, Mark, yeah. Yeah, Mark Burson. And if I ever had anything to do with that again, it would be that. I would leave all the other versions behind. I mean, you should see, I've still got these on my various computers and hard drives. There's like, no exaggeration, there's probably 26, 27 drafts of Guevara, and they are all fundamentally different. They're not just like, Tweaks. It's like, oh, this is the version where this person was the hero. Isn't that maddening? Oh, this is the, Isn't yeah, that maddening yeah, on some paid. level? I was getting paid, and it's like I needed to get paid at that point. It's like I need. Oh, you this got money, paid you for know? six years. Yeah. yeah, I got paid for a long time on Kivera. I have a question though. But there's so many versions of that film. It started out as a bunch of people on horses, mm. like something you could shoot mm-hmm. for sure. a nickel. By the end, they were robotic horses. Oh. <laughs> there were spaceships. <laughs> there were domed cities. Yeah, I, it's I, very I swear, it. I, crash I cars. Crash yeah, cars. There, there were crash cars. <laughs> you saw me clicking in. <laughs> it's like, by the end, it was Star Wars. And, it, and it's like, it's like that, that it, it's like a weird uh, irony that you get caught in with a project like that. It's like, it's like it had something that fascinated everybody, yet they said, 
I don't think anybody else will get it. Let's change it a little bit to make it more. And and then at the end, it becomes, it's just another fill in the blank. You you know what I mean? It's like they try to, it's like, you know, you create a square peg. They try to put it in a round hole. And by the time you whittle it down, it's like, great. It's a round peg now. But the the magic was in the square peg. Right. You you know, it's, it's, it, that's very frustrating. Do you think if Angela Jolie would read it today, given that the, 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 the way Hollywood is today when it comes to female leads and female driven films, fresh out of the gate would have read that first draft would it be made today? Probably. Yeah. So why doesn't, yes. do, Do you have, uh, an agent? Yeah. You, yeah. So yeah. why don't you do you ever say to your agent, "Hey, why don't you push that one right now?" Or or what? I mean, look what I just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Do, yeah. do freshen up in the draft and I put mean, the yeah. new. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean yeah. if if something was <laughs> yeah. good back then and and paid you for six years yeah. and then falls to the wayside a little bit, I mean, who's to say that this gem that existed? Can't resurface now and, and and become a new entity. No, I I agree, but I I guess it's I mean I think it's I mean obviously I have uh, people that are behind it like that, but at the same time I'm sort of like I want to move on. You know what I mean? It's like I want mm. you know yeah it'll be great if something happened with that someday. Mm. Excuse me. Well, can't great. you just throw it out there while you're working on moving on? Yeah, yeah. You know I'm moving on, but hey, while I'm moving on, throw this one back out there and, and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Are yeah. you afraid you're gonna get? Uh, back in the trap of people saying this is great. Well, how about this? Oh, yeah. Donkeys, yeah. not horses. <laughs> not, uh, <laughs> exactly. Donkeys. Yeah, I think. I think. Well, 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 in the case of something like Sandman, yeah, I do want it thrown. I mean, I'm sorry, not Sandman. I don't know why I said that. Freudian slip. Uh, in the case of something like Strangers, yeah. I do want it thrown back out there because yeah. I think it's timely. I think it's sure. It's, it's right on the button. Mm-hmm. I think it needs to be done. With the case of something like Kivera. I worked on that for so long and made it into what other people wanted for so long. My only back of the head dream about Kivera is I'll make that myself someday. Yeah. I'm okay. not gonna I'm not gonna mess with yeah. other people right. trying to figure That's that one project. out. I'll just do that. Yeah. As we get close to to wrapping up here, Johnny, first of all, uh being a a writer and director as well, uh, do you have any questions for Bill that I might have uh missed? in the process of this conversation, which is why we put a microphone on you tonight. No, we, no, 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 no. It's, it's all been going good. I, yeah, covered. I've been chiming in every once in a while. Oh, no, no, and I'm glad you are, like because I... I bad and we should talk about your film a little bit that oh. I worked on a tiny bit. No, we, the, the street the where we live? Yeah, no, yeah. Worked on a little bit. You yeah. added an element to our, our yeah. script that we can't thank you enough for. So what Bill is referring to is that we did a film called The Street Where We Live, and Dino and I worked on the first basically the practical draft where we started shooting right and um, we went into production knowing that the ending sucked the ending sucked we were, it was a little too hallmarky yeah. it was a little too uh, tied up in a too nice of a fucking bow it was it, it, no we didn't care for it neither one of us but we also didn't have an out right and then I had no no ideas and then we approached Bill to look at the script that we had and I redlined the things that we had already shot. Remember that? <laughs> and I said, how don't can we fix don't this? Don't you can't change these. Yeah. How can we fix this? And Bill came up with basically, he rewrote about, what, 30 pages maybe? Maybe, yeah. And added a little bit here and yeah. there. And yeah. Added a scene which, which yeah. in the film has become one of my favorite scenes when Christina Koff, our, our lead actress, mm-hmm. uh, Mary goes to uh, interview for a job. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and it's a job that's that she thinks is in her wheelhouse of something to do, and then finds yeah. out that she's uh, horribly underqualified yeah. for it. That's one of my favorite scenes in the film, and that was all you. Yeah, that was. It, it's like I I read the script. I liked the script. I thought it had a lot to say. I thought it needed to be more painful. So so it's like I I I took, undertook the another dr- <laughs> no, 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 and that and that moment yeah. painful's the right yeah. word yeah. It's like because I, that moment no. where Christina yeah. is listening to this woman babble on about yeah. insurance and yeah. and so forth and so on, uh, the look on Christina's face credit to John Whitney yeah. for, for capturing that is is so yeah. remarkably ugh yeah. like you feel Painful. so bad for her yeah. without yeah. her saying a word yeah. while she's just listening to this insurance babble for a job that she knows that she's, she's not going to get it not yeah. going to get yeah. not right. going to get it it's one of my favorite scenes in yeah. the film and that's to your credit well thanks i just want i just wanted to make it more like i thought it hit hard but it, at every at, at any juncture I found to make it hit harder and hurt worse is what I wanted to do. Because I thought, I thought the whole point of a film like that, I mean, of course you want a happy ending in a conventional story, but in a story where you're dealing with a social ill mm-hmm. and like, you know, something that's actually going on in the world today, you, you want people to kind of walk out a little bit mad, a yeah, little bit pissed off. People like, walked and, out like, of our film mm-hmm. you know, talking and, about, what they thought would happen next to these characters. Yeah, that's that's what I was hoping and, for. And, is and that, that was a great ending for us. Is that like there would be some hope, but it could go really it, bad. It could too. go. It, it could still go yeah. badly. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's, it went from what I used to describe as she got a job and cue Katrina and the waves walking on sunshine, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to very kind of like uh, not really dark, but. Yeah. With a hopeful lining yeah. at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I thought it's that like was... that. It's like she's at the abyss. She doesn't know what's down there. She'll jump in. Maybe it'll be, maybe it'll be waters that aren't quite as deep as she thinks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it works. Yeah. Well, it's like it's like I can remember being. What's the movie? And somebody remind me of the title. It's the movie where Robert De Niro plays a filmmaker who's blacklisted by the McCarthy. Thing. Oh, um, uh, do, you know, do you know that movie? Yeah, I know that movie. But it has this ending where he just he just goes off on the committee and he goes off on everybody and everything's uh, this was the end of the McCarthy era and it's all happy ending and mm-hmm. I was so pissed off at the end of that movie because I'm like you shouldn't have a happy ending in a movie like this you should walk out mad you know he should he, the guy should be destroyed and you walk out mad mm-hmm. you know what I mean and that's kind of what I wanted to do with John's film it's like I want. I want you to walk out like not feeling quite this good. And yeah. it worked because it, it at some work. festival screenings, um, we, I, I had people come up to me yeah. and go, and one woman in particular says, "You wrote this. This movie is exactly what has happened to me." Exactly. Yeah, yeah we had a lot of yeah. single moms. This woman is me. That uh, and it was actually pretty powerful, and yeah, just yeah. like because they were, they had no hope and they had no idea. They took steps that they had no idea where they was going to take them, yeah. and they and, identified it really. It's pretty heavy, man. There's people the, crying at our screenings. Dude. Yeah, the street where we live is currently yeah. being shopped yeah. as we speak, yeah. and uh, we're we're getting close to some sort of 
We'll make an announcement at, at some point. At in the some next point, month or but so. the, I, but you know, I don't want to. We don't want to make announcements unless we've sold something. Let me say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so. in the meantime, as you as you keep on working on things, John and I are working on things, and I'll say it on the podcast now. We have every intention of uh, totally taking advantage of you and bringing you in on something. <laughs> uh, I'm here. Be, be, before we start writing the script, <laughs> give me whiskey. <laughs> as opposed to after, give me whiskey. Right. We're, yeah. we're, 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 <laughs> should, should we bring in Bill Farmer to actually because. Uh, you know, because we have a treatment written, and we're like, yeah. let's bring in Bill to get some thoughts on this before we actually start writing the script, yeah. instead of after. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no more cleanup for Bill Farmer. Yeah, he yeah, used yeah, to be yeah. Kind of involved. I find these um, master classes on online. Uh, Steve Martin has one for stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. and then I see one for writers as well. Uh-huh. James Patterson has a master class. Yeah. I just recently saw one for Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. where if you uh, pay X amount of dollars and you get this tutorial mm-hmm. from the, the, these greats in the business. James Patterson, you can't argue his success. Aaron right. Sorkin, you certainly can't argue his success, both right. uh, uh, in, in films and now on Broadway with uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, so uh, let's make this last segment um, a teaching moment, if you will. What would be your advice to an aspiring screenwriter um, right now? Right now. Uh, I would say, and I, all these all these kind of books that you read on screenwriting that tell you that you know you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to structure it this way. That's all valid information, but my advice is always go with your gut first. You know, just write what you want to write, get the raw material out there, make it yours, make it your unique voice, and then let the other people up the chain, the producers, whoever that read it, say, oh, this needs to be structured this way. You know, let them, let them put it into a box. Don't put it into a box from the beginning. You know what I mean? Because so often, I think we try to put it into a box from the beginning. We read Sid Field, and we read Robert McKee, and mm-hmm. we read all this stuff, right. and we go, okay, I'm, I got a great idea. Uh, I'm gonna, how do I structure the A story, the B story, the C story? I'm going to save the cat. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I do like Save the Cat. That's my only screenwriting book that I do like. But, um, but I think we we we, we put that on ourselves save too early. Cat. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Oh, have you have you ever seen what's uh, Bullet to the Head, the the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie? Yeah, I laughed so hard. There's a scene in that movie at the beginning where it's supposed to be. They're driving down the road. And he's a hitman, and he's got his fellow hitman or whatever with him, and he goes, oh, watch out for that cat. Oh, and, yeah. And, 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 <laughs> Save the cat. And it's like, perfect. Talk about just like a, the ultimate in-joke. Self-aware. You know oh, they absolutely. read that. You yeah, know they put that in there. the cat. He literally <laughs> dodged the cat on the road. That's awesome. But, uh. Uh, yeah, but, but, but anyway, back, back to what you were asking. It's like all that stuff, all the structure, all the stuff that people try to teach you, that's great later. First step, put your heart on the paper, on the script, on the file, whatever. Yeah. And then whittle that da- down into like the proper format. Don't start with the format first. Mm-hmm. It's like if you're making a sculpture, there's two ways to do it. You can start with a lump of clay or wood or rock or whatever and whittle it into something great. Right. Or you can start with a mold and pour plaster into the mold. Don't start with the mold. Don't start with the you know, mold. You know, don't don't start with the Robert McKee and the Sid Field and all that. That can come later. 
write what's in your gut. Write whatever you feel like writing. Don't worry about if it's too long, too short, doesn't make sense, doesn't structure. Write that blob of stuff, and then that's your clay. Then apply Sid Field and Robert McKee and all that to what you've got because you'll have things in there Mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have had if you had just started Fired, with right. Sitfield followed and, with and, the mold you know, and started and with the mold, yeah. the mold. And you're so, going so, to lose yeah. some of the passion just, some of the just write the bullshit if I can say bullshit you I can don't say whatever you want we're, we're, yeah, we're yeah, yeah. Yeah, a somewhere. lot of sculptors say that when they look at a piece of rock it's what they pull away is how they discover the shape of whatever their sculptor is going to be yeah. so they have no clue what it's going to be looking at just the rock yeah, but as they tear it away, that's when they discover right. what the story and is. I think when you, is, we yeah. see so many movies and TV shows, and now, yeah. and they're just so by the numbers, and that was starting with the format and pouring in the material. Afterwards. You know what I mean? It's like you know we've all seen the cop who's investigating a kidnapping of a kid, and then we see oh years ago. He investigated the kidnapping of a kid, but he fucked up, and the kid died. Yeah, and it was now his it, son. And now this is a chance to redeem himself. <laughs> and as soon as you see that, you're just like, yeah, they started with the mold after yeah. after you he know, saves the cat. Yeah, it, they started with Sid Field. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, start with your gut. Just pour it all out there. Don't worry about any of that stuff. And then in the second draft, worry about that stuff. Worry about it then, because you do have to have that stuff. Yeah, you do have to have you know, quote unquote, the formula. Give yourself some raw material first. You know, don't don't just lay out the formula first and then try to put your material in. Because it's it. going to be because it's going to be boring. It's going to be it's going to be formulaic. Yeah, and, and it, it might sell because people love formulas. Studio executives don't know anything but formula. They yeah. see it and they go, "Oh, this fits the formula. Buy it." But it's going to be that. crap. And it's like, do you want to write crap and get paid? I mean, sometimes, yeah. I mean, I've written crap and gotten paid, but try to try to pour your heart and soul out there first. Well, my friend, continued success with everything that you do. Our guest has been Bill Farmer, William Farmer. Our guest bottle has been Heaven Hill, William Faulkner's go-to whiskey. And I just thought, you know, once again, whenever a little serendipity can show up on whiskey business, I like it. Uh, apparently, we didn't hate it. <laughs> there's, there's not, no, it's we not that much left. I call uh, it the Corona of whiskey. It is the Corona. Whiskey. It's like it's there. It doesn't hurt. It's okay. A On a selfish note, I still, in my heart of hearts, if we ever get any money, I want to make Star and Snowman. Salfrex, Steubenville, Salfrex, Steubenville, whatever the case might be. They all start with S's, so there must be yeah, something going yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think, uh, as much as I was ready to play Frank, yeah. back then. Yeah. I think I'm even more ready now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're, 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 you're frankier seasoned. by the day. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm getting frankier <laughs> by the moment. Um, like I said, our guest has been uh, Bill Farmer. Hansberry, a couple of closing notes before we head uh, head home. Yep. Uh, you know, Whiskey Business, this is more, much more than a podcast. It's a movie. On YouTube, subscribe uh, Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. We're on Twitter, Whiskey Biz Show. Facebook, Instagram, um, but also I wanted to read a review. Sure. Uh, yeah. On iTunes, we ask you to write. We uh, love, rate, write we a love review, rate reviews. Uh, and rate us. We, we got a five star from uh-huh. uh, Firewalls and Dragons. He says, uh, or she, well done, uh, Dino and crew. The podcast just keeps getting better. Oh, nice. I love the humor and insights and the candor you bring to the conversation. 
your tips on affordable good bourbon is a huge bonus. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, there we try go. to give something, 13 to, bucks? something to everybody. Yeah, yeah 13 so, bucks a thank bottle. Thank you. Rate and review stick, us. Stick with please, on iTunes, yeah. please talk please. about Game of Thrones a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot of hashtags on this one, I, I, think, yeah. I think, coming up. Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production. Produced on the audio side. Whoops. I only it's the first time I've hit the boom mic. You did mic. good tonight. Hansberry's trying to get me to accustomed to the boom mic. Tonight uh, or in your career? It just <laughs> in, in, my, in my whole career. Whoa. In my whole career. I was I was yeah. to that. <laughs> I saw that. He's awesome. He's been trying forever awesome. to get me to be a real broadcaster. Right. One of these days. Uh, produced wonderfully on the audio side by Greg Hansberry. Produced on the video side on our YouTube channel by the great John Whitney. There he is. Uh, <laughs> is there a cat? Is that a cat? cat? Is that a cat? It's Juno, brother. <laughs> so thank you to both of those gentlemen. Thank you to Bill Farmer as well. Man, like I Pleasure said, continue success. And I'm looking forward to, to working with you on something on yeah. down the line. Hopefully... Um, we get you before you, you know, skyrocket and can't remember. Who well, we, if, if who I we skyrocket, are. trust me, I'll come back for you. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I'll come, come back. Yeah, I'll come uh, back. My name is Dino Tripodis, and so, my friends, until the next bottle, see you. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.